Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. So last Tuesday, as I was following an ambulance uh, over to Sternenbrook with my dad, with it, there's a lot of things go through your mind. And one of the things, of course, I'm slightly different than most of you, that was going through my mind was, oh boy, I guess this means I'm going to have to preach a little more this summer. Sorry, completely selfish, but first thought that came to my head. So I knew we were going to be closing out the Life Verse um, series uh, this week. So I, I thought, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Dad what verse he was going to preach on, and you know what I'll do? I will just make my own sermon around the verse that he was going to preach on, and we'll say this is Dad's verse. I'm just preaching on it. So as they have him hooked up to all manner of machines and stuff, I go, Dad, Dad, what verse were you going to finish out Life Verse on? Really important that I know that right now. So, and this is where my dad and I have a lot of similar traits. This is where I found out my dad and I differ. He said, I was going to preach from, I, I, I have it written, Psalm 37, 25. Psalm 37, 25 says, I once was young, but now I'm old. <laughs> And I said, Dad, you can stop right there. <laughs> you may be okay with standing up and admitting in front of hundreds of people that you're old. Not going to happen from me. So, so we'll, we'll leave that verse for him to cover when he, uh, when he comes back. I ain't touching that one with a 10-foot pole, I'll be honest with you. So, The amazing thing, that it, it's just the outpouring has honestly just completely blown my mind towards my dad um, over um, the past couple of weeks. You know what? You grow up as a pastor's kid, you kind of just get used to, this is what my dad does. This is kind of what pastors do. This is what my dad does. We people person. When I was younger, I'll be honest, it would annoy me because there were often family functions that had to be interrupted because he had to go be with somebody or, you know, people would pass away at really, really bad times when I had something planned and had to be there or people were, and I just kind of got used to, this is what dad does. And it, but over the past couple of weeks, I, I just really started to think about it. And what I am going to say now, I am going to say as a complete, I am a daddy's girl, I, I, I admit that. I'm also going to say what I say, knowing that somebody over in Stony Brook is watching us right now. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Okay, so there's nothing special about my dad. And what I mean is this. My dad has no superpowers. My dad does not have a higher connection to the man upstairs. My dad doesn't have anything. He has 24 hours in the day, the same as the rest of us do. And I started watching as people would send messages to us just explaining what my dad um, has had meant for them um, or has done for them. And it really got me thinking, and it got me thinking in this way. People would say that when they were going through illness, that my dad had helped them and reassured them and been there for them. But here's the thing, at no point did my, was my dad able to cure a single ill person that he came in contact with. Now, he could have a word with the one who can cure them, but he never cured anybody. 
People talk to us about how when they lost their jobs and things like that, my dad had helped them immensely. And it got me thinking, you know what? He never actually employed any of those people or found, you know, was able to help them out of that situation as far as I know. People who were grieving said, you know what, in their darkest times, my dad had meant so much and had helped them so much. And it got me thinking that my dad, to the best of my knowledge, was never ever able to bring back the loved one that they were grieving for. People who said, you know, I was going through financial hardship and your dad was there for me. And it got me thinking that as far as I know, he never wrote a million dollar check and helped somebody through. And that was how it got me through. And as I watched him over the past couple of weeks and as I thought about this outpouring and what he has done for so many people, it all came down to one thing. My dad loves people. He loves people. He loves people and he loves people. So, in my hat, hat tip to dad today, to honor dad, there's only one verse really I could come up with that I wanted to come back to. I've preached on this verse before, do not turn off because you know what, I got a different sermon this time. But there's one verse that I think is a challenge to all of us this morning. I know it's a challenge to me because I've seen what, what can happen when you really, really love people. And it's a verse that's found in Colossians 3.14 and it says this, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, if we're not careful, we come to church, we hear the word love all the time, and we can just assume, okay, this is how it works. I give my life to Christ, I become part of Christ's family, and I automatically just start loving more. Or we think, you know what? When I say the sinner's prayer, as soon as I get to amen, love descends upon me, and the ability to love descends upon me, and it's never, ever, ever gonna leave me. And that's not the case. The action of loving is something that I have to consciously decide to do. Apostle Paul's here talking about, I need to put on love. I need to put on love. This morning I decided that a good way to honor my dad was to wear Converse for my preaching shoes, okay? So I decided it was a Converse day. But here's the thing. I actually decided this morning that I would put on Converse. That was a decision that I had to make. Thankfully, you all decided this morning to put on clothes. That was a decision that you all had to make. And in fact, in the message, uh, the Apostle Paul puts it even more uh, uh, in a modern way. And in Colossians 3.14, in the message, he says this, and regardless of what else you put on, Wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. We have to decide, just like we decided this morning, what we were gonna put on, we have to make the decision, I am going to wear love. And that's what I wanted to look at this morning is, is, is about the wearing love. And I wanna look at three questions. Who, how, and when? First question then, who should we love? Easy answer is everyone. Wait, we can just finish up right here. You guys all know the answer already, right? We can just go, everyone, okay? Who should we love? We, the answer is everyone. I've watched over the past couple of weeks, my dad in a hospital room. 
He has shown the same level of respect, gratitude, and, and just poured out love on the maintenance worker who emptied his garbage to the same degree as the surgeon who saved his life by fixing his heart. Every single person who has come in that room, he has shown love to. And if we, you know, I'm using dad as an example this morning, but believe it or not, of course, our ultimate form of an example comes from Jesus. And in fact, he told us this much. He said this, John 13, 15, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. See, there's no hierarchy in God's kingdom. Nobody is above anybody else. There is nobody in this room who is higher than anybody else when it comes to God's kingdom. Because here's the thing, every single person matters to God. Every single person matters to him. There is a fascinating story um, in the Gospels. And in fact, this morning I wanted um, to read it to you. And it's found in the um, book of Mark, in Mark chapter 5. So, they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. An amazing miracle that Jesus performed here. Amazing stuff that he did. So there's this man who is possessed by a, a number of demons. In fact, some scholars think that when it says, I am legion, it was referring to Roman legion. And Roman legion was about 5,000 to 6,000 men. So the thought is that this man actually was possessed by between 5,000 and 6,000 demons, believe it or not. So all of these, ma the, these demons um, are living inside of his man. And it's a, an incredible story to read when you see that how Jesus had authority over all of these demons, how Jesus was able to help this man in a way that nobody else had ever been able to help him. But as amazing as that is, to me personally, that's not the amazing part of this story. If you look at the context of this story, so that was found in Mark chapter 5. If you go to Mark chapter 4, 
Jesus was preaching to huge crowds of people. In fact, he was preaching to crowds that were so big that he had to go out in a boat and he sat in the boat and he preached out from there because it was the only way that he could speak to the size of the crowds that were surrounding him. So here he is, preacher's dream. He is preaching to all of these crowds of people. And yet at some point on that day, he says to the disciples, listen, I need to go to the other side of the sea over there. I need to be there. Now, knowing Jesus knows all, he would not have been surprised. He was not saying, let me go to the other side because I just want to hang out for a day. Knowing Jesus, he knew what was awaiting him on the other side of the sea. He knew that on the other side of the sea, there was this man that society had shunned for their own safety. No chains were able to restrain him. He was able to break everything. Here he is living in this graveyard, absolutely tormented, and he's living right there. And yet Jesus left the crowds to make a difference in the life of one single man. And then he got in his boat and he left again. And it really got me thinking this week, Jesus interrupted what for most of us would be like, well, look at me, here I am. Crowds of people are following me. I have to keep going with this. I have to keep doing what I'm doing. But Jesus interrupted his life for one man. For one man, he interrupted. He went to the other side for that one guy. In fact, of course, when he was going from one side, Mark chapter four, to the other side is when they came into a storm, the boat that he was and um, the storm started to, to howl and the disciples got afraid and they thought they were all gonna die and Jesus slept and then they woke him up and of course he spoke to the storm. So he, you know, all of this happened just so he could get to the other side and to speak to, into the life of this one person. And it got me thinking about those times when people interrupt me and say, need me. And I think, well, you know, I have this going on right now and I'm in the middle of this and you know, I'm not sure this is a good time and hopefully I'm not the only one who has this feeling, right? So many times people interrupt us and it's like, well, I don't have time for this. I, I have places to be, I have things to do. What if the interruptions are actually what we're supposed to be about and the other stuff is just filler? What if those people who interrupt us, who we're like, well, I don't know if I have time for this, are really what God wants us to be doing, and the other stuff is just kind of stuff that we're doing to fill the time between interruptions, instead of being annoyed about the interruptions that are coming in between the other stuff that we're doing. And it got me thinking, imagine if this week, each and every one of us took an interruption and actually sowed love into that person who actually took time for that person. That person who is annoying us with the incessant texting, or you know, is just somebody at work who, you know, I just don't have time for this person. That, what if this week they became our person that we loved this week? What if I decided this week, you know what? Instead of looking at them as somebody who's just taking me away from the things that make me feel good and the things that make me look good, what if I put on love with this person? and I actually took time 
out of my day. And it got me thinking, imagine if each and every one of us in here this week actually took time for an interruption. You talk about changing things? We're not a mega church, but there's a lot of us here. And if each and every one of us started to sow into the lives of somebody that nobody else on the planet has time for, and who irritates people, or who society has shunned, how amazing would that be? How many lives would we start to see being changed? And it all starts with one person. Because this, this man here, who Jesus um, cast the demons out of, at the end of the chapter, Jesus says, he says to Jesus, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no, no, you're not going to come with me. Here's what I want you to do. Go start telling others. Go start telling others. And as we put on love with the interruptions, what if they go start telling others? And they start loving others. And they start showing what we've showed them to us. Can you imagine how this world would start to change? And it all starts with me taking time for the one person that nobody else maybe has time for. I love that part of this story. Who should we love? Everyone. How should we love? Unconditionally. We should love unconditionally. What does God say about love? Romans 5, 7. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Ooh. We need to do for other people what was done for us? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm down with that. Yes. We were loved unconditionally. In the Bible, there are four different words for love that are used from the Greek. Three of them are used in the New Testament. The one that Paul uses in the put on love verse at the beginning of here, he, he uses the word agape. And agape basically means unconditional love. It's a one-way love. It's a love that says, you know what? I'm going to love you even if you don't love me back which for a lot of us is so contrary to the way we think and the way we act because of the world that we live in. The world that we live in says, okay, what can you give me? If I'm giving you something, what do I get back in return? If I'm gonna pay out to you, what are you paying back to me? This is a love that says, you know what? I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna love you no matter what. I'm gonna love you without conditions. We are so used to a love that says, I love you if you're good enough. I love you if you please me. I love you if you return love to me. I love you if you're beautiful. That's not agape love. When Paul says to us, put on love, he's talking about a love that's a because of love, not a love that's an, that's, I'm sorry. He's talking about a love that is an in spite of love. I love you no matter if you love me or not. Not a because of love. A love that says that I love you because of things. You do things that you don't, I don't agree with. I'm going to love you back. You do things that maybe make you socially unacceptable. That's okay. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to love you regardless of your gender. I'm going to love you regardless of your race. I'm going to love you regardless of your social standing. I'm going to love you regardless of your political views. Yep, that's a thing, okay? Needs to happen. Needs to happen. Good Lord. I am going to love you in spite of your sexual orientation. 
I am gonna love you no matter what happens. I am going to love every part of you. Now, here's the thing. There is a huge difference between loving unconditionally and accepting and approving, I'm sorry. Huge difference between loving unconditionally and approving, okay? I can love you without approving of what you've done. It all comes down to this. Titus 3.7 says this. Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the gift of eternal life. How did I become, how did I become acceptable to God? I became acceptable to God because of the grace of Jesus. He says, you're acceptable. That's all it took. He knows that I am not perfect. He knows that the day I accepted Christ, I have not sinned ever, ever since then. He knows that I'm going to do wrong, and he knows that I'm probably going to sin for the rest of my life. I'm not perfect by any stretch. But Jesus says, I'm still going to love you unconditionally. See, it's not based on my performance. It's based on the fact that Jesus loves me no matter what I do. And the great part is that's how God wants us to love other people. He wants us to love other people no matter what they do, no matter how they are, no matter whether we approve of them or not, we have to love them unconditionally. God wants us to do with that with other people. Now, sometimes the problem is that we don't know how to separate those two things. Sometimes we don't know how to separate, I can love them, but I don't approve of them. And sometimes that just means we just withdraw and we don't love on them because we don't know how to separate the two of them. Here's the thing. When we talk about loving because God has loved us, God still loves me despite my issues, despite my imperfections, despite what happens. And that's how he wants us to love other people. You can love someone unconditionally without approving of what they do, without approving of their lifestyle, without approving of the way they're living. You know why? Because nowhere in the Bible does it put on, say, put on your mechanic's belt because you have to fix that person. It doesn't. It says, put on love. I put on love and I leave the mechanics work to God because that is way above my pay grade and let him change their hearts. But what I am called to do is I am called to put on love with somebody. And then when should we love? Another easy one. Always. You guys are good. Man, we could have been out of here like half an hour ago. When should we love? Always. Good times bad times, when it's easy, when it's hard, we need to love at all times. Now, of course, the hardest people to love tend to be the ones who have hurt us, tend to be the ones who have caused us harm, or the people who are still hurting us, are still harming us. Those tend to be the people that it is really, really hard for us to love at times. They're the last people that we, deserve, we feel deserve the time and the energy it takes to love them. 
Actually, the Bible has something to say about that. In the book of Luke, it says this. To you who are ready for the truth, I say this. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit for tat stuff, live generously. Or, I guess in the words of someone famous, when they go low, we go high, right? No matter how low they go, we go high. And here's how high we go, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. Wait, God, not only do you want me to love that person, you want me to pray for them too? Now you're asking a lot. Yes, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, love your enemies. I found a, a, a song, and I was really excited about it to start with. I realized I'm in dangerous territory here because it's a country song and we have a lot of country people here. But in 2010, Jerron and the Long Road had a song and it was called Pray For You. And I started reading the words and I'm like, wow, this is a good one. So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do, he, or she told me what to do, just saying. He said, you can't go hating others who've done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job, and you just pray for them. And then we kind of went off the roads. I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to. I pray your birthday comes and nobody calls. I pray you're flying high when your engine stalls. I pray all your dreams never come true. Just know wherever you are, honey, I'm praying for you. <laughs> okay, so. I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. But let me just say this, and this is confessions of today's preacher. Do not Google that song because it gets stuck in your head, and then people start flashing through your head who you think maybe this would be, no. It is a very catchy song if you Google, but that's not how we're supposed to do it. You all know that. In fact, if there's another verse here um, that says, there you go. Matthew, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. Unwritten for a reason. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-creative selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish, to everyone, regardless. The good and bad, the nice and nasty. 
If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anyone can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. This is when it gets hard. This is when the whole put-on-love thing gets tough. Because it does not just apply to those who are the best. It does not just apply to those who are lovable. It does not just apply to those who I am comfortable with. It applies to everybody. Put on love with everybody. Put on love to the unlovable. Put on love to those who have done wrong to us. Put on love to those who may better us at certain things. Sometimes it's hard to love those kind of people too. But we need to be putting on love with all of these different people. Did somebody hurt you? Somebody devastate you? Betray you? Pray for them. What about the friend that lied about you? The boss who mistreated you? The parent who left you? The friend who let you down? I still have to put on love. I still have to put on love. And I still need to pray for that person too. Why? Why do I have to? See, here's the thing. As I love those who have hurt me, they may or may not change. And there are just some people who they may not change at all. But here's the thing. As I love them, I change. It changes me. It changes inside of me. I can let go and say, you know what, God, I've been holding on to this hatred. I've been holding on to this unforgiveness. I've been holding on to my feelings towards that person for so long. You know what? The ball's in your court now, God. I'm going to leave it with you. Let you take care of it. I'm just going to do what you say to do, and you tell me, put on love. And as you do that, you experience the freedom of knowing that their actions no longer control me. See, if I love somebody unconditionally, if I love somebody always, if I love every person I come in contact with, my moods do not need to change depending on how they treat me or how, what I do. I'm just loving. You know what? I'm just going to love people. Easy for me to deal with and easy for me to make a choice. There is no choice. I'm just going to keep on loving. I make the choice to love. I make the choice not to live with the shackles of hate because hate will bind you up. Hate makes you a prisoner. Hate puts you in a place where it just consumes you. And you know what? No matter what those people do to you, the time has come where it's time to put on love. So I preached about this a, a, a couple of years ago, actually, the put on love. There's a, so this is put on love 2019. And since then, it's become a bit of a mantra for me. I mean, some mornings, I, you know, I will say to myself, okay, today, you need to put on love. I will talk over it to myself. Sometimes I am standing in the line at Target or wherever I am, and it's like, as that person with 19 items in the 10-item lane, and it's like, okay, just put on love. I got to put on love. Because it is a conscious decision that I have to make. And you know what? That might mean that every day I stop and I say, no matter what happens today, with the person that's been giving me the hardest time or with somebody else. Today, I'm gonna put on love. It means when people interrupt what I think I should be doing with their issues and problems or whatever it is that they, I say to myself, you know what? I need to put on love. I need to decide that this is what I'm about. So I guess my challenge to all of you today is this. 
If we want to be a light in the darkness that this world seems to be coming more and more swamped in, it's going to start with, we just need to love. We just need to love. We need to love everyone. We need to love always. And we need to love unconditionally. So my challenge to you guys today is this. This week, who can you love on? Even if it is one person, if every person who's gonna sit in this room this morning just loved on one person this week, those are hundreds of lives. And you go back to the story of Legion. Jesus delivered him, set him free, made him a new man. He went out and started telling others. As we love on other people, we don't know what the ripple effect is going to be. But it has to be what we are known for. We need to be known that we are the people who love. In a world full of hatred and vitriol, I am going to love other people. I'm going to be there for them in their darkest times. I'm going to be there for them in their best times. I'm going to be there for them no matter what they do to me. Let's be the people who every day make the decision. I'm going to put on love. Amen. Let's pray.